I just have one thing to say. Hang on here. <laughs> Tell you what, if I had the talent of any one of these people, I'd be, I'd be, elected president by acclamation. <laughs> Thank you so much. Good evening, everybody. And uh, before we get started here, I just want to say that uh, Malcolm, mm -hmm. I hate you so much. Okay. So you remember last week when you said those things that very deeply offended me? Yeah. And um, you know, as I said on Twitter afterwards, uh, took years off my life. Mm-hmm. Um. I now actually am a very firm believer in the power of uh, manifestation. Yeah. Simply because Malcolm absolutely manifested this. <laughs> um, I did. So you know, you 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 know, when it comes to life, I mean, some people believe that you know, you 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 receive that which you put out into the world. Yeah. Right. So if you're putting out negative energy, as as you have been, um, you receive negative energy. Yeah. And so if you if you put out enough energy about Kamala Harris's feet eventually it comes back and eventually it becomes a relevant talking point again i've butterflied um, and started the hurricane exactly <laughs> so for those of you who um, don't know last episode we were, someone was making a big fuss about kamala harris's shoes and, how, uh, yeah, and how so i went on converse. i went on like the foot wicca feet uh live on juno and i uh, looked up Kamala Harris and and started talking about her like ratings and reviews and stuff like that and Which obviously yeah that was bad and I shouldn't have it done it awful. because now people are genuinely talking about it, like the fact that I've even had to say the phrase Kamala Harris's feet more than like once is just so fucking awful and brain poisoning yeah like mm -hmm. yeah I I fucking I hate it here man I hate it here yeah yeah it's pretty bad. I mean, um, and it, like, we've really, and now it's like, there's a, you know, everyone's like, oh my god, look, Kamala Harris is wearing Tim's as she gets off her private jet. Yeah. On the campaign trail. Like, do you remember, um, earlier on when that was, like, a big thing against, like, Bernie and also Warren? Yep. Was like, oh, like, oh, they claim to be socialists, but look at their private jet. I, they have a owned. campaign jet. Right? And it's like, and then, you know, it's Kamala Harris... Um, girl bossing her way out of this and you know wearing tims yeah and i guess you know it uh it's because she doesn't really stand for much yeah so. and so we're going to talk a little bit about more her in a minute um yeah i think we'll just start with that and get her out of the way yeah i mean with um so, so yeah but before we do that obviously we are juno beach um if you like our content you can follow us on whatever podcasting platform uh you you want i see we have a few ratings 
on Apple Podcasts. Feel free to add to those if if been doing the promotional legwork here. Exactly, exactly. Um, and yeah, if if you like it, rate us whatever you want, and we'll only break your legs if it's below a three. Um, and uh, you can find us on social media, uh, on Twitter uh, at Juno Beach Pod, J U N O B E A C H. Si vous êtes français, cette balade est seulement en anglais. Uh, mais sur notre Twitter, vous pouvez parler avec nous en français. Uh, c'est at Juno Beach Pod, at G-U-N-O-B-E-A-C-H-P-O-D. Um, and I think that's that's about it. So we may as well just get into it. Uh, so I'm Malcolm. I'm Declan. And this is your Juno. So yeah, uh, Kamala Harris. Um, what an what an interesting character in, in politics, honestly. She's a uh, she's a girl boss. We love her. I was reading about how she refused to, as a Protestant. You know, this fills me with rage. I have so much like pent up anger against Catholics. Um, this is not actually true. Don't. Anyways, um, that she refused to prosecute uh, um, um, like Catholic priests who were being accused of sexually abusing minors that's incredible honest like queen what a legend you know (laughs) i that's just such a girl boss i mean it's so like everyone is always like oh it's such a cop-out going after the record of a da such a cop-out or or yeah or of like a an attorney and it's like yeah it's not they all are awful they're all part of an awful justice system yep if you are a prosecutor in America, like the, chances if you are, are older, you're a bad person. If you are older than like 12 years old and you're actively pursuing a unelected position in the United States like justice system, I am seriously concerned, you know, that you may be a sociopath. Mm-hmm. It is like it is probably one of the most inhumane, like surface level fair, but like deep, deeply, deeply inhumane justice systems in the world the only good prosecutor is the guy from my cousin Vinny. yeah maybe because that guy saw that there was like no evidence for a case so he just dropped it in the end yeah and i mean earlier uh this week there was a a a bit of a, a funny you know saying the quiet part loud um as as we dirtbag leftists like to say mm-hmm. um and that was kamala referring to like the the you know impending democratic um executive branch as the kamala administration mm-hmm. which you know is kind of a, a bit of a faux pas under normal circumstances when you don't have a presidential candidate who is in the advanced stages of dementia and you know, looks ready to die at any given moment. But especially now that it's Joe fucking Biden. Yeah. Right. With his much younger and, um, more vibrant, yeah, more vibrant. Well, yeah, more vibrant, less vibrance, uh, vice president. Um, it, it seems... did you see Joe Biden listening to Despacito? That oh. guy was vibing so hard. <laughs> I was and so he happy. Just goes like, Let me tell you, if I, w- if I was this, actually, like, we could probably edit in that clip, because I really, I, oh, we're starting with to that. hear this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, 
just... I was. I'm really tempted. I'm not gonna do it. But I w- I'm really tempted to just edit in that, but have Ram Ranch instead of Despacito. <laughs> because, and then, like, the, what he's saying at the end, he's like, oh, well, if I would have been as talented as oh, I'd be present, and then he just trails off, like, you know, as he loves doing. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's This just, is how you know the dementia is getting worse, because he's getting more hostile. And instead of apologizing, he just trails off. It's also literally, like, a, a 2017, like, you know, a 2017 Radlib would have made that joke. Be like, oh, watch Joe Biden get the nomination next. And then he goes out and as Latino outreach plays Despacito. I mean, I think I actually saw people saying that that's what Trump would do. I think I specifically remember people tweeting about how, oh, you know, if Trump is going to play Despacito on the campaign trail to try and woo Latino voters. And now it's like become reality, but just as part of the Joe Biden campaign. Well, yeah, I mean... Well, actually, Trump would would do it, and then probably end up getting sued by uh, Louis Fonzie or whatever. Well, yeah, exactly. Because he does that all the time. He plays people's songs <laughs> in the campaign show without permission, and gets sued. Yeah, and, and then and then it's like a thing for like a week that like, oh man, like this celebrity is like part of the resistance. Like, go, you know, go you you king, you know, Brendan Yuri, you fucking nonce. But at least he didn't like. Um, Wait, Brendan Yuri's a nonce. Yeah. What did he do? I don't like him anyways. What did he do? Grooming. Oh my I goodness! I, I hate I hate don't shoot the messenger. I hate doing that to people. But <laughs> bro, I don't care. Okay, the only opinion that I have on Brandon Murray is that he ruined an almost perfect Taylor Swift album with one feature. That's the only opinion I yeah. have on the guy. So you can care. tell me anything you want, and I'll believe you, and I won't really care. So don't worry. Um, but yeah. Uh, Kamala Harris just, like, inadvertently letting it slip that it's going to be a Harris administration. That, that the whole the whole plan was, like, get Joe in, and then the D, the DNC effectively gets to pick who the uh, the president is. Yeah. Right? Because you've got a, a you, you know, you've got a, a vibrantly colored snack food in the White House right now that at this point seems unlikely, you know, as it stands right now. He's the color that. of a tropical fish. Like... He is the color of many tasty foods, and I don't think that's conducive to being very presidential. Exactly. And, but I, I think, like, you know, where, I, where I'm going is that, like, they figured, you know, as they always do, that they're going to win, but now they, they're probably going to win. I mean, that would be my prediction at this juncture. Well, like, right? they're 100% going to win now because of what we learned about Assad the other day. We're, we're going to get right. into that. The, Surely, surely, this will be what sinks the Cheeto. Exactly. But with um, but I mean, what with Trump and how you know how his campaign is going and how coronavirus is and you know the the effects sort of trickling its way down to the working class of America, I think it seems highly unlikely that Trump will win another term, and so I think the DNC kind of realized, like I don't want to say realized, I think they were originally being very foolish with you know nominating biden and then getting to handpick the president through him but i think they just kind of got lucky at this stage well you know why it's because the dnc is in cahoots with china who manufactured a coronavirus ahead of time um and so like you know like the, the, the the only reason this worked is because of coronavirus and the dnc clearly had foreknowledge of it i mean the the fact that that is being like it's, it's not being peddled by like very like super high up in the Trump campaign, but like you don't have to go very far down the sort of chain of command 
to find people who are parroting that and then you know the people who believe that right Mm -hmm. like that's that is the thing is that you can't if, if someone says something stupid the worst thing you can do is just compare it to your worldview and go oh well if that's the case then and then say something that's ridiculous to you yeah it's like all those accidentally left like it's like all those accidentally left wing posts you know like that twitter account that always posts like those right wingers saying accidentally left wing things like mm-hmm. oh well in that case we should have help you know houses for all right it doesn't work either way because our you know we're obviously of a worldview that everyone should have a house mm-hmm. or at least and, a home. yeah and yeah, and, it, yeah. and it it doesn't come off as the own that you think it does because you know a lot of those people believe that you should you know, not receive anything for free and that the government should not do anything for you. Yeah, that you're not entitled to any so basic human when it, when it, necessities. Yeah, and when so when it comes to debating these kinds of people, you can't just allude to your own worldview as to why it's ridiculous, what they're arguing. No matter yeah. how ridiculous it is. Well, I don't know. Like, I feel like, um... If you, I don't know if you, you have, but uh, if you've listened to the first episode of Bad Faith, the new Chopper's podcast... They said something really interesting, and for the record, I actually do. I disagree with you. I think that Trump is going to win. Um, but that's, I think, kind of irrelevant. I think that the Biden campaign has accepted Trump's framing. Like, I think that you have to allude to your own worldview, because the second you start, like, the second you accept someone else's worldview and start trying to argue with that, it becomes so much more of an uphill battle. Because it's really hard to actually change someone's mind. You have to convince them to change their own mind, Right? Um, and if you accept their framing, then you're accepting their worldview. Well, I think, like, you know, like, it's kind of a different circumstance if you're trying to disprove someone's point by pointing out how ridiculous it is according Mm -hmm. to your worldview. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. Instead of sort of engaging them in a neutral ground. Yeah. Right? Like, as much as, as liberal as that sounds, right, and as centrist as that sounds, at a certain point you have to find that middle ground of, like, okay, here's a, you know homelessness is a problem and the solution is to you know for a centrally planned economy that's kind of the level you have to engage with you know assuming that they're arguing in good faith if they're not then like god help you well that's the that's the that's actually why we need to team up with tankies because if if we team up with tankies right and like democratic centralists etc stalinists and stuff then they're gonna be like everything needs to the economy needs to be in the hands of the state and then the conservatives and the liberals would be like, no, it, the economy doesn't deserve to be, like, the, the economy should be completely private. And then we can compromise in the middle and say the economy I should mean, be democratic. It, it, it's like, it's like um, the striking workers in Michigan, right, uh, a couple yeah. days ago. They released, their union had released a statement um, that was, like, disavowing the people in their movement who had used Scabby the Rat, you know, the, um, the symbol... Mm-hmm with the immense history in the labor movement yes. used to sort of make fun of scabs. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, oh, well, you know, the the the, un- the strike breakers were like, oh, well, that's anti-Semitic because it's a rat. Like, and bro. so, and then, and then, so, you know, the, their union releases a statement that's like, therefore, we want to respond immediately to the concerns we have received about a rat drawn by participants. We want to clarify that the drawing depicted Scabby the Rat, a symbol with a long history in the labor movement used to highlight anti-union behavior. 
However, given the close association of rat imagery with anti-Semitism, it is clear to us that the, this image should not have been used. If we regret the usage and commit to avoiding it going forward, we want to be very clear, anti-Semitism has no place in this strike or in GEO. We also know and deeply regret that for many, this action raised the specter of violence against women and want to reaffirm that as a union committed to feminist and anti-racist values, that this is a history we would never knowingly reinforce, particularly as we demand a safe campus for all. What? This, like, this was, is, you like, know, look, you I can... saying engaging with them on their level, that, you know, sort of brought this to mind, because that's what they're, they're losing by doing this. Yeah. It's like with the Bernie bro narrative. Well, I can, right? I can as definitely as... see why people would be concerned about using rat imagery, period. Uh, I could be wrong, but I don't believe that there is any specific anti-Semitic tropes about, like, working-class Jewish people. Or, like... No. Like, the, the whole idea of the Jewish rat is, like, the idea of, like, a rich It's Jewish literally person, just, or, like, at least a, a middle big... Class one. It's just a big fucking inflatable rat that people bring to strikes. With a scab in its belly. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, it's, like... But I... 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 I, I I'm... So I can... I think it's stupid, but I understand why well, they were able to like, say the rat was anti-semitic how is yeah. that anti-woman do you know it's not anti it's not anti-woman they're saying that the the str the strike action raised the specter of violence against women they're saying referring to the strike action not to oh. scabby well what the hell does that mean that's dumb e exactly i i saw specter and i got really excited for mm. a moment then, yeah you know, I got, it's like it's like with the the primaries against Elliot Engel. I'd read Engel's name and be really fired up, and then realize, oh, he's just a fucking. He he's sucks. Fucking yeah, he he's awful. Yeah, but it's like, you know, this is like pure like strike breaker like HR shit. You know. Yeah. Like this is exactly how you know you break progressive campaigns or you, yeah, break strikes. You you don't if as a an organization you engage with the management at the level of you know i don't i don't want to be like railing against identity politics here or anything but if you engage with them at that level instead of you know as a strike and how you're demanding what you what you need mm -hmm. then you've already lost yeah well it's like it's like the nietzsche quote beware that when uh, beware that when fighting uh, scabs you do not yourself become a scab for when you gaze too long into scabby the rat Scabby the rat gazes back into you. Like it's literally, it's it's the funniest either, thing because die, they're like, you either die a card carrying union member or live long enough to see yourself become the scab. Exactly, like these union members have morphed into scabby. Like they were typing out that statement, and their fingers like shortened into claws, and you know they grew whiskers and they got little beady red eyes. Like they became the rat. Yeah. Anyways, I mean it. it Look, like, it just shows that you can't let your opponent dictate the narrative. No. Right? You can't, you can't engage, you can't engage the, the MAGA idiots, you can't engage anyone. And I think that is terms. the critical mistake of the Biden campaign that will, and will the cost them the election. Is the that Bernie they've done campaign. that. The Bernie campaign, you know. Also did that. Eventually caved to the whole disavow your supporters thing, which, you know, what a fucking great campaign strategy. Yeah, let me just say, hey... My supporters that are mean to people online, you suck. Yeah. Yeah. But, Thanks I mean, it, like, you, you can't... You have to find a sort of middle ground to fight. Like, a sort of battleground mm -hmm. worldview. You can't... If you can't get them to, you know, engage with you at your worldview, you, you can't go over and engage at theirs. Yeah. 
don't compromise with the enemy. No. It's like um, Ash Sarkar, that British... Do you know her? She's the one who told Pierce Morgan that she was, like, literally a communist. Yeah. Yeah. She uh, talked about how the left needs to start hating again. She's... Yeah. She and she's queen. on Team Hate. And I think she's right. Like, you have to start seeing your opponents as bad people. Because they are. Well, yeah. Like, I wouldn't consider, for example, all liberals to be bad people. I think liberals have the no, right I principles think, no, no, and the wrong I ideas. Think, yeah, well... It's that they don't they they engage with the world on an individual basis, right? That's the whole that's the whole liberal ideology is yeah. that it's really just about what's around you, and that the you know the economy would work if everyone were to just be you know were able to be happy doing what they wanted. Well, and I I think I don't know if I brought this up before um, on the on the pod, but I think you know classical liberalism and and the roots of you know, the liberal and conservative ideologies that we see today come from the idea of individualism. They come from the idea of, like, individual rights. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, you know, your right to property, your right to life, whatever. Whereas I think you and I, and also a lot of people on the new right, um, are more collectivist in nature, right? We sort of view the rights of the collective, we're more populist. Um, yeah. And I think that the world is realigning towards populism. Um and it, it happens in cycles, obviously, but I, I, um, which I think is interesting. But no, I think that when you say liberals engage in the world on an individual basis, I think that's a really salient point because, um, that's what the whole, I mean, even though obviously liberalism now is completely different than what Voltaire was talking about, um, they come well, from it's like, the same it's place. It's like, you know, they, they idolize Locke despite the fact that Locke was, you know, pretty much pre-capitalist. Yeah. Right. That that ideology has no room for things like, you know, the expansion and cannot fathom why anyone would want to take more than they can use. Yeah. And that being at the core of your ideology, I think, is what sort of sets it down this false path of like, oh, well, if if we just provide these rights for everyone, then everyone will be equal mm -hmm. rather than ensuring that you, you know, that your basic needs are met in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Through the community. No, that's a good point. Um yeah, so, I mean, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, like, I wouldn't consider liberals to be bad people. But, like, if you are debating a conservative, you have to remember that they, not only do they not have your best interests in mind, like a liberal, but they actually, like, want you to fail. And they want well, yeah, because they're, to take they away want, something that you have. And, and they don't want, you know, they, a conservative arrives at that viewpoint because they like how things are for them. I think that's kind of... Mm. liberals i think at their core dislike what is around them and that that means that oh we should push for you know these individual rights yeah. whereas with conservatives they they get there because they are fully content with the status quo mm -hmm. and anything that may they worry that anything that may change that you know maybe they'll have to pay a little bit more in taxes and then they can't afford their sports car or um, I mean, I think that sort of discounts a lot of the working well, class yeah. conservatives. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking upper class. Like, yeah, like the sort of intellectuals, I guess, quote, yeah. unquote, there, yeah. um, that, that sort of define yeah, the I think, ideology. Yeah, I think a lot of the working class, obviously, has been, con you know, duped into believing that it is in their best interest to mm -hmm. just work hard and, you know, cut social programs because, you know, it... And that it's the government life... that's taking your money, not... Yeah, and that is that is how life will get better, mm -hmm. is if we just keep cutting social programs and we keep, you know, making life hell for those who aren't, you know, who can't work, 
Um, and, and I think... And it's, but know, it's it, so... It, it's, it's a very good sell because especially with material conditions being as they are, I mean, mm. it's very easy to say, yeah, the reason everything fucking sucks right now is because there's a class of people who are sitting on their ass doing nothing while you work. I mean, look at the, you know, when the unemployment benefits were being ended, right? The extra money for unemployment in the United States. Mm. Look at how many people were like, yeah, I make more, um, you know, my neighbor makes more on unemployment than I do working uh, 10 hours a day exactly blaming their neighbor instead of blaming the system that pay that you know doesn't pay them enough yeah and it's like it's it's such a great deception like this great look over there when you started talking when you're talking about like these people who sit around in their asses don't work and take your money when you're saying oh it's just lower class people rather than no it's literally the people in charge like this idea this great deception that the people who steal your money are the government, you know, the union, uh, and the person on welfare, rather than the landlord uh, and your boss. Um, it's such. It was so clever, because I mean, people's money is being stolen. Specifically the, specifically the, you know, the the union one. That's the one I see a lot. Even with like you know our friends, right? You you get a part time job, and you think to yourself, why the fuck would I be paying all these? You know, say it, it's a say it's $15 an hour, why would I pay, you know, a dollar of that to union dues? Or a dollar fifty? Yeah. But, and I think it it starts at that point when, you know, sure, you're you're union for a retail job that you're only working part-time and will probably quit, you know, in in the next year or so. You know, you're just doing it for extra money. Um, Yeah, why would you? And then that sort of seeds the mistrust of unions that comes around when you're actually in a, you know, say you get into journalism, right? And you're Mm. a journalist working at a massive newspaper. Or you're a teacher. Or you're a teacher, yeah. And then that sort of mistrust of unions has already been sown. So it's not that hard for someone to come around and say, yeah, well, you know, unions are pointless and don't pay into them and don't be active in them. Because, you know, all all it is is they just, they take your money and and it's so inefficient and all they do is just mean that you can't work because sometimes it's a strike action. Or I they mean, protect the bad teachers or whatever. Well, yeah, yeah, no, that that's, oh, that's horrible. Yeah. That, that argument. But, I mean, the, at the end of the day, I mean, with, with a union, yeah, you have, the union is only as good as the worst member. Yeah. To a lot of people. Where, and, and they, you know, again, because they engage You're with the world. You're implying this individualistic engage, worldview. Yeah, they engage with the world on an individual view. So they see a story of, like, you know, I, I some some power plant worker getting like you know committing like wage theft which whatever but who cares um no but like leaving like station like you know uh, leaving the plant unsupervised or whatever oh, they'll yeah. see some story like that and they'll i guess apply that to oh well it's the union that's you know saving them mm-hmm. instead of you know the the person who works on the the plant floor and now can't work and it's the union that's fighting for their you know for their paycheck yeah and for their benefits i mean that's people don't realize how much they need unions until they need the union Mm -hmm. and i think once people need the union once people need the union they they realize already they real well or they don't right or and then they think that oh well they should you know they should do it but there's no money in the system because there's you know people on welfare mm. i think that's how you that's kind of the process that you arrive at that yeah it, it, it's obviously it, it's very conflicting and it's a lot of double think but i mean 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's is a, what it's a it is. clever deception. Yeah. Um, I think we should probably, in the interest of time, move on. Um, yeah. To our next segment, which is the state of the empire. Oh boy. Um. The first thing we've got here is very funny. So I think you'll remember uh, that we talked about a while ago this allegation uh, that it's still being brought up against Trump that um, the that Russia was paying the Taliban, like putting bounties on American troops, paying the Taliban uh, to kill. Which American is like troops. incredibly. It is like that is bog standard like proxy war shit. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing? Paying the Taliban to do what they were doing anyways? Paying the, yeah, paying the Taliban, you know, like they were being paid by the United States. Yeah, I know, that's also the funny thing. It's like, well, what the hell was America doing in the 80s? (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, so, but here's this article in NBC News, who, you know, normally we wouldn't touch with a 39 and a half foot pole. Um, but it's a good article. It says, U.S. commander, this is, by the way, again, months later, Intel still hasn't established Russia paid Taliban bounties to kill U.S. troops. Imagine that. Hmm. It has just not been proved to a level of certainty that satisfies me, General Frank McKenzie told NBC News. Which, you know what? That's great. Yeah. McKenzie oversees U.S. troops in Afghanistan. Look, if this guy is smart enough to realize that that is all horseshit, I think, like, obviously... He's in the U.S. military at a, in a high rank. Like, he's obviously a horrible person. Hmm. But I'd rather have a horrible person who doesn't, you know, get fired up off of no intel. Yeah. I think at least, at the, the very least you can say about the dude is that he's pragmatic. Mm-hmm. And that he, you know, maybe yeah. he maybe he even realizes that America's a little bit of a declining yeah. empire. So, yeah, like, it's, it's been it two months. The Pentagon's vowed to get like to this. I don't know. I think I think we can really only hope. Right, and, and it literally, it reportedly, the whole bounty thing came, the whole Corrupt. bounty thing That's came with, it, it started from the CIA because there were paramilitary officers that captured documents from the Taliban that described Russian payments. Mm. So, you know, it, it's coming from the CIA. Yeah. An organization which obviously has no vested interest in maintaining you know, a cold war with, uh, with Russia. And an organization yeah. that has no, you know, vested interest in not telling the public the truth. Well, yeah. I like mean, that. why, why would they lie? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they, they told the, you know, they, they, they told the American people that they were leaving those, um, those far right militias behind in Europe. Right. Yeah. That, that, that definitely didn't need to be dragged out of them like 50 years after the fact. Yeah. They, they told everyone that, their predecessor organization had a plan to reactivate a bunch of Nazis to go fight the Soviets. That didn't have to be dragged out by anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can sit here all day and just make those like, oh, well, did you know that the CIA set up a, a summer camp for Cuban children? Yeah, look up Operation Northwoods. Like, you can sit there all day and, like, read out shit that they've done, but, like, at the end of the day... Hey, did you hear that not... um, the Kent State University has set up a, uh, a an area outside for their students to, to pray and attend Mass? A whole acre of land so they can do it social distanced? Yeah, Google Kent State Mass Acre. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, but, I mean, with, with the whole bounty thing, I mean, it's just another, like, Russiagate thing. 
Yeah. Right? Because the U.S. is now trying to to Cold War both Russia and China. Mm-hmm. And it's really... Neither neither side is really taking the bait. China's... I mean, China has also a vested interest, but it's like a weak-ass Cold War, considering China and the U.S. are, like, economically completely dependent on each other. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like a... Yeah, it's a totally codependent relationship, right? It's just like China getting in a spat with your sibling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Rus- so Russia's, Russia's like the older cousin, right? That had a falling out with the United States. Alcoholic older cousin who's just yeah. seen everything, is just completely used to shit, and and just has to put up with it. Um, but yeah, so it says here, Mackenzie's comments conflict, reflecting a consensus view among military leaders, underscores the lack of certainty around a narrative that has been accepted as fact by Democrats and other Trump critics, including presidential nominee Joe Biden, who has cited Russian bounties and attacks on President Donald Trump. Yeah, how the hmm. fuck do you spin that towards, like, are they trying to attack him for not, like, are, are they seriously trying to play the whole Trump hates the troops angle and be like, oh, well, he didn't, he didn't start an open war with uh, a nuclear power over I think, no, I think it's CIA more of a Trump is weak on Russia because he's an agent guy thing type of thing. Oh, God. And he needs to be tougher on Russia and thereby be tougher in Afghanistan. Right, yeah, because there is that whole... There's that really, like, specifically homoerotic thing that they say is, like, between Trump and Putin. Yeah, because Trump obviously, and like, fought. The best, you know, the best way to own somebody is just be like, yeah, you're gay, lol. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I just love... Him. Like, liberals just abandon all principles the second they realize they don't like somebody. Yeah. Like, and they're like... They get, like, all this, like, indignation. In How Case dare in you, point. sir, whenever Trump is like, oh, yeah, Chelsea, trans people can't go in Chelsea the military. Chelsea Manning. Yeah. Chelsea Manning, the absolute queen. We, Legend. We love I her. love her. Twitch streamer extraordinaire. Mm. And, yeah, and, and as soon as, as she came out, I mean, it, you know, people were misgendering her, you know, in the same breath as calling her a traitor. You can, you can believe she's a traitor. You'd be wrong. But you can believe she's a traitor and still respect her gender identity. Mm-hmm. Like, Whistleblowers are not... patriots. What? Whistleblowers are patriots. Exactly. Yeah. They, they love their country enough to want to risk pretty much their lives. Like, yeah, she... They tried to kill her. They tried to execute her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so... Yeah, like, I, I just love this, that, like, liberals would have this, all this righteous indignation when Trump is like... Oh yeah, we're not letting trans people in the military, which, by the way, is fucked up. Um, I mean, it's obviously yeah, like mean, a trans drone pilot of color thing, whatever, but it's still fucked up. Uh, but like, and they'll be like, "How dare you, sir?" And then they'll the very next thing they'll do is retweet an image of Trump like bottoming Putin. Yeah. Um, it's which i mean let's be real trump is a top but like we don't have to get into that we're not getting into that okay i did the feet thing last week um if you want to get re- if you want to get our, revenge on me go ahead get into it but i'm not going to our, our poor poor listeners are just caught in the middle of a of, of just us trying to outdo each other mm-hmm. just trying to make a, a more awful bit about a public political figure until we just slowly morph into come town <laughs> Um, Chop, the, the Chopo clone to Cumbtown clone pipeline is very concerning to me. I think we should get Gwen Snyder to write about it. <laughs> but, so, I, I think now, I mean, we want to switch to something else that is hilarious. Oh, which is yeah. The, the the fact that um, there was an intelligence report, again, take it with a grain of salt, whatever, that Trump... Oh, he like, admitted it. No, 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 he just straight up said. Trump 
was going to have Bashar al-Assad like assassinated or at in least try and so the thing is like I, I think that this this is my main predication for how Trump is going to lose. Because, as we all know, I mean, the, the power of who must go knows absolutely zero bounds. Exactly. Like, any time that any public figure will condemn Bashar al-Assad, like, in public, they, in, like, something bad almost instantly happens to them. Yeah. And then, so you just get all these people that are, like, you'll see, like, it'll be a meme of, like, Bashar, and then it'll be, like, you know... Bashar's brutal regime needs to come to an end. Then he'll be like, who must go? Shinzo then, Abe resigns, citing health reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like... it. So that's why I'm so certain that Biden will win, simply because... You, you know, have to remember, though, that Biden has promised a tougher line against Bashar. And if you think about it, very soon after Trump actually tried to go ahead and kill him, impeachment proceedings started. Oh my god. So I would argue, <laughs> I would argue that Trump has already suffered the effects of the curse. He got impeached. So now, he didn't so get removed, because, but he got impeached. So because because Biden is going harder on Syria, the the who must go will actually loop back around. Like it, it'll go in for a second punch, and that it that is what will kill Biden. Exactly, it slapped Trump. It, it the... slapped Trump because he actually didn't go through with it, right? right. Except it, it Biden was, was, probably has intentions to go through with it. Um. You know, just like just like Amy Klobuchar promising that fan that she was going to drone bomb Assad, and then like a few days later dropping out, Obama tells <laughs> yeah, her to drop was like, out. That was the one I literally had on my mind, is like all the Democratic candidates promising to be more like tougher on Assad and then dropping out. And if you think about it, Tulsi Gabbard, weakest on Assad, and was the last low-tier candidate in the race. Yeah, even after all the, the shit libs had been screaming at her for weeks. And they still do. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm still regularly called a fascist for supporting Tulsi Gabbard because apparently that's what Bashar al-Assad is. All right. Well, we can just we can just cold open this bit with like, you know, God Syrian Bashar. We could do that. I thought I was going to do the Joe Biden thing, but what I might do is I might edit it so that Joe Biden plays God Syrian Bashar. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, I think we're gonna. That was like a little quick thing. But this is like. I read about this and I, I, I felt physically sick to my stomach. If, if anyone here, if you are sensitive, this is a very heavy topic. And I think we both... Trigger warning, it. genocide. Skip forward a few minutes. Trigger warning, genocide, body horror, a lot of very awful things. Um, Trigger warning, exactly what the United States has been will, doing for the last will, few hundred years. We will do a voiceover of the timestamp that we stopped talking about this so that you can skip forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or we'll, we'll put it in the description. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think, yeah, if you're still listening, you should be ready for some very heavy talks. And I think we, we owe it to our listeners to sort of take it very seriously. Yeah, we're, well, obviously, I mean, what, we wouldn't joke about this anyways, well, but yeah. yeah. But th this is a very, I mean, this is probably the most horrifying news I've read related to ICE in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that they have been performing forced hysterectomies on a lot of the women that have been interned in the ICE concentration camps. For those of you who don't know, a hysterectomy is um, like the, the removal of the uterus. Yeah, so forced sterilization of undocumented immigrants that attempted to come to the United States and were captured by ICE. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, this is literally, like, they've used the Nuremberg defense before, Right. They, they have literally, the head of ICE has literally said, 
we are just following orders, which is already an immense red flag, but they are actually, you know, perpetrating Nazi crimes. Well, this is a genocide. Yeah. It, Sterilization it's, it's, is genocidal in nature. I mean, look at look at the Tuskegee experiment. Where do you think the Nazi party got the inspiration for their horrific experiments? And this isn't conjecture. This Tuskegee is something the Nazis experiment. themselves have admitted that because America has been doing this to indigenous people for 200 well, and, years. I mean, and, there's a reason there's a reason why Henry Ford was so praised by Hitler. Yeah. Right? Because he he had figured out the automate how to automate labor yeah. in such a way that you can break an individual down into a piece in a machine. Mhm. And, you know, I'm sure Henry Ford's immense anti-Semitism didn't hurt Hitler's opinion of him either. No. So not the Nazis were always inspired, you know, specifically, yeah, by the treatment of indigenous people in the United States. Yeah. Right? They, that is what inspired the Nazis. And, to... you know, the Nuremberg Laws were basically identical to Jim Crow. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, so the fact that they're, you know very well corroborated reports of you know at these ice camps people yeah being sterilized um i think horrifying not surprising you know if we were if we were a a less sensitive podcast we would make some joke like oh well why are they only sterilizing the men or the women you know why not go for full equality if they're that liberal of an organization although but the fact that there was a the the, the official people for Bernie, which is um, not associated with the Bernie campaign, it, yeah, it was a like I th- was it it was just a it was just like an organization that it's was just, supporting yeah. Bernie Sanders. So we're not this isn't directly tied to him. I don't think there were actually any Bernie surrogates involved. There were not. So, but the people for Bernie account tweeting out yesterday, yeah, that you know they should sterilize everybody. Why don't they do vasectomies? Yeah. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, there is, there really isn't a way to defend that. You can't say it was a joke, right? Because if you, if you're, you know, making light of a situation like this, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? This is an actual genocide. Yeah, and... and Like, look up the UN definition, this is a genocide, and these people are joking about it. You can't tell me that a People for Bernie account was posting that in earnest. Well, they deleted it pretty quickly, which means that... Well, I mean, of course they did, I, but, like... Yeah. Still, you know, the fact that there's someone in that organization that decided that that would be a funny or good thing to post... Yeah. It, it's it's horrifying. I mean, there there are... Just because you're a leftist doesn't mean you're a good person. You can be, you can be a piece of shit and still believed in a planned economy, and, and yeah. you know... Oh, and, and equality and, for all on paper. By the way, it's probably like the the actual text of the tweet was, "Our system is so inherently patriarchal. I didn't even think to f- perform safe and largely reversible vasectomies," which is basically just making an actual genocide. Yeah. About something that has nothing to do with it, it it's because not, these yeah. people do not actually care. Well, yeah, it's 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 another thing that ICE is doing that they can then criticize you know it's the liberals may make fun you know the, the you know lowercase l liberals obviously here will make fun of it or they'll say oh well this is just a reason why we need to vote out trump but i think that you know on the progressive side them sort of trying to make it woke right make it into something that 
you don't need much to criticize forced hysterectomies and forced sterilization. You can just say that they're doing it. Because... You yeah, you don't need to turn it into, oh, well, look how patriarchal our system is, that it is, it's also awful in this, you know, incredibly minor way because they're not doing it to men. And it's like, okay, like, so what? Wrong. Like, sure, but, uh, okay, it's a problem that America, and every nation, for that matter, is patriarchal in nature. Great. It's not relevant. To now what? It's not relevant to a genocide. But you have to remember, Donald Trump not pledged to close ICE. Joe Biden has not pledged to close ICE. Because liberals, again, as I said, perhaps well-intentioned, do not care about human rights when it comes to their own people. Because they're individualistic. Because they think... As long as it's not affecting me, I don't care. I mean, and that's why a lot of that's why a lot of of NIMBYs, right, are liberals. They're not conservatives. They agree fundamentally with things like affordable housing and not having homeless people. They just don't think that it, they should have to engage with it daily. They don't think that they should be forced to do it. It's um, it's just frustrating when people say stuff like vote for Biden. He's the lesser of two evils. Who built the camps? Who built the camps? Joe Biden's administration. Obama's administration with Joe Biden. The, the Obama-Biden administration. Obiden Bar oh, God. Right? He's the one who built the camps. George Bush was also complicit, but obviously he's a Republican, whatever. Although, obviously, they're trying to rehabilitate this guy. Right? Like, this... Joe Biden is only the lesser of two evils. Like, people can only consider someone like Joe Biden to be actually preferable or, like, significantly preferable to Trump if they only consider Americans as people. Like, that's the only way it happens. Because when you look at foreign policy, when you look at border policy, these two are exactly the same. In fact, Trump might even be a little bit better because his wars, but that's irrelevant. Like, these people, still, both of them would have the caps on the borders. Both of them would be performing these genocides. And if you think that Trump doesn't know about this, you're deluding yourself. If this has been going on since the Obama administration and you think they didn't know about this, you're deluding them yourself. Except, it keeps the border strong, it stops those racial minorities from getting in, and you know how Joe Biden feels about those racial minorities. It's... It's because, you know, we, we always say that um, systematic racism, not everybody in it has to be racist for the system to be racist. And, and yes, like, the border thing is systematically racist. But it's exacerbated by the fact that everybody who's ever been in charge um, of, of that, you know, border and, and that southern border, basically since World War One, has been an incredible racist. In fact, probably before that, most American presidents were incredible racists. And you don't become... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously you can maybe whatever. Ulysses S. Grant. Okay. Like, that's it. And and, and so I just... It, it, it pisses me off. Right? It really... 
it makes me angry when when people say things like, "Well, Joe Biden, we just have to, you know, get him in power and then protest him." Like, what are you gonna hold do? Stand outside the ice camps and hold a sign while your great Democratic president, who you've given all of the power in the world to, continues to have these hysterectomies performed? Is that what you're gonna do? I think that's a great idea, personally, that you give this guy all the power he wants, and then you try and hold his feet to a fire which you've just put out. Anyways, um, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's, it's just depressing. It is. It's, it's not going to change, no matter who wins. The U.S. will either set its fat its direct actual fascism clock back four years or it'll just keep happening yeah so I think vote we can, for the lesser you know, of two I, evils well I think so I'll just note down 47. as 37 to 47 yeah um, so I think now that we're done with that um, we can talk about something I think Malcolm I'm gonna let you take the reins on this because this um, is a little bit out of my wheelhouse. This is something space related. Yeah, and then we're gonna we had a, flip. We had a five something part, that's we had a five part series yeah. that um you know surrounded space. I think um you might want to take this one. I will, um, I will. Um this definitely is definitely some interesting things. Very interesting. It's sort of a more exciting news. Um hopefully cheer you up after that nice little ten minutes. Um and so I'm sure you, you've heard a little bit of buzz about this, but I'd, I'd like to explain if you haven't read any news articles or whatever. So, uh, a few days ago, the Royal Astronomical Society, uh, in conjunction uh, with the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, with a professor there, who's actually from Canada, uh, so, nice, um, uh, have discovered um, a compound called phosphine uh, in the upper atmosphere of Venus. Now, to uh, the untrained ear, even to the well-trained ear, that may seem like nothing. That might seem, oh, just there's another compound. Um, but it actually means a lot more uh, than, than one may think. So um, the first thing that needs to be addressed is, I guess, conceptions about Venus and its environment. Um, so I think the common conception, and it's it's largely true of Venus, is that it is hell. Um, it's incredibly hot, uh, incredibly dense atmosphere, you know, Earth-like gravity, so it's just a, a an incredibly inhospitable planet, and this is true. Um, you know, Venus is the hottest planet in the solar system. Um, the atmosphere it can get up to 27 times that of Earth's pr atmospheric pressure. Um, it's, it's basically had greenhouse gas effects run wild. Um, but what is not necessarily known uh, is that the further up you go in altitude, uh, obviously the atmosphere gets thinner, there are less greenhouse gases, the temperature cools uh, and the pressure decreases, just like with any planet with an atmosphere, right? Just like when you go up in a plane, the, the pressure is less uh, and it's, it's cooler outside. Um, and so there's this zone, it's about, I think, 50 kilometers above the surface, uh, of Venus called the Venus Temperate Zone, um, and this zone is so temperate, in fact, that if a human were to be exposed to it, um, for and in large part, they would only really need an oxygen mask because the pressure and temperature 
uh, are actually completely survivable. Um, and so that sort of stage is now set, I guess, for for what happens next. So phosphine has been discovered in large quantities uh, in this Venus temperate zone. Uh, this was found with a telescope in Hawaii uh, and a telescope in Chile. Um, and so phosphine is a compound which on Earth is only found through biological processes. Uh, for example, in the gut of a cow um, or the bacteria in a swamp. It's what makes the smell. Um, now, that doesn't mean it cannot be made artificially. Um, you know, we make it in factories um, and in, in fact can even be found in the atmosphere of Jupiter. Uh, but on Jupiter, it's created by these very high-energy storms, um, and it produces a, a tiny quantity, which just doesn't match up with the large quantity and no huge storms um, in, in, on Venus. Um, and it's, it's actually not really understood, the process by which uh, phosphine is, is synthesized biologically, but uh, in that quantity, it is really only known to be a biological synthesis, um, which implies one of two things. The less exciting, still exciting, but the less exciting is that there's a very cool new chemical process that we don't know anything about. Um, the second uh, implication, which is way more exciting, is that there's bacterial life on Venus. Uh, alien bacterial life. Um, which, on its own, has, has many, many more uh, implications. I mean... There are places in the solar system uh, that scientists have expected to find life, uh, namely uh, Europa, which is a, um, a moon of Jupiter, and Enceladus, which is a moon of Saturn, and, and both of these uh, because they have oceans, subsurface oceans below a, a layer of ice. Uh, these are caused by the gravity, uh, and what's called tidal forces. It's the same thing that, that you know causes the tides on Earth from the moon. Uh, it's that uh, the gravity from uh, Jupiter or Saturn creates friction within these planets and, and heats up the, the ice to melt it. Um, and so because they have oceans, they've been seen as the primary um, places where one might find life in the solar system, apart from Earth, obviously. Um, but if it really is uh, on Venus, which, by the way, I kind of predicted it might be uh, in one of my grade 10 science projects, so props to me. Um... <laughs> If, if this is the case, uh, that has sort of implications on this search for extraterrestrial life, uh, simply because despite the sort of temperate nature um, of the upper atmosphere of Venus, it's still quite a hostile place, and so if life can evolve there, it can really evolve anywhere, right? If it is there, then that means that there's a, an incredibly serious probability of it being on, on Europa and, and a probability of it being on Enceladus. Um, and so I, I guess it sort of implies this, this solar rainforest, as, as I, I would call it, um, that our solar system would be, rather than isolated to one planet or two planets, teeming with alien life. Um, so because it implies that um, life has to be able to evolve in gaseous environments. There's no way it could have survived on the surface of Venus because basically nothing biological could survive on the surface of Venus and then travel upwards. Um, and thus far, we've only ever seen life evolve in a liquid, water. Um, 
there is no liquid water other than in incredibly tiny quantities in the, the upper atmosphere of Venus. Um, so it has to be able to evolve in a, a gaseous environment, uh, or at least be dropped off there and immediately survive um, by, for example, a, an asteroid or something. And the second um, is that extremophiles can be much more extreme than uh, we expected. So an extremophile is uh, a type of bacteria, we have a few of them on Earth, which is basically adapted to live in incredibly hostile environments. So, for example, there are thermophiles, which you might find in those hot springs, um, incredibly hot springs in Yellowstone. Uh, most life starts to die at 40 degrees Celsius, but this can go up to like 60. Um, there are, you know, ones that live in Antarctica that are cold, the ones that live in low oxygen environments. Uh, this is a low oxygen environment. That, that doesn't, I guess, preclude the possibility of life. Um, so, it sort of implies, yeah, that, that life might be a lot more hardy than, than we thought. Um, and, and by the way, there could be nothing bigger than bacteria, uh, simply because it's not possible uh, in terms of the science that we know, I guess. Uh, in order for something bigger than a, a single-celled, simple organism to evolve there. Uh, but that, that matters little. Um, it's still a significant discovery. Um, but yeah, the third thing it implies, as I alluded to, is that if it is on Venus, then it's probably on, on Europa, and if it's on Europa and, and Enceladus, it's quite possible that it's multicellular, because if, if life is actually that robust, that hardy, um, then it might be able to evolve to a, a more complex nature uh, on these other other planets and moons. Um, but it also means that we have to start looking at places that we had previously not looked at or at least ruled out um, for, for evidence of life. For example, we may want to look on the moon um, for the ice. Uh, there's, there's solid ice, uh, frozen water, uh, on the poles of the moon. So we might want to look in there. Uh, we may want to start looking at Mars again. Uh, within, because uh, we know that, that there probably was life on Mars at one point that is gone. Um, but we may want to look, again, in the in the poles of Mars where there is frozen water uh, to see if there's life there. We may want to start looking in the gas giants, in the ice giants, uh, Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, and Uranus, for, um, you know, these, for bacteria that can live in the atmosphere. We may even want to start looking at places we had never even considered where there could be life. Other thick atmospheric places in the solar system, like Titan, which is a, a very cold moon of Saturn with a, a thick atmosphere. It's the only moon other than our own that we've ever landed anything on. Um, you know, and it, it has... It's so cold that instead of having liquid water, it has liquid methane uh, lakes. Um, we may want to start looking at there, because if it can you know, live on Venus, it can maybe live something that cold. Um, the atmosphere of Venus is also acidic, um, which, so, so it's just an incredibly tough place to live, and, and if it's true that there is life, um, in the atmosphere of Venus, that basically means that it's quite possible that, um, a significant percent of, uh, the large, you know, planets and moons in our solar system, uh, are in fact inhabited, which is very exciting. Um, and, and, and I just want to clarify, by the way, that when I say life, yeah, I, I do mean bacteria, um, you know, single-celled organisms, which 
you know, to the media might not be as exciting, to a nerd like me is, is just as exciting as extraterrestrial fish. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the space news. Um, I think that's pretty exciting, and I imagine that uh, a lot of space agencies are now making plans to send balloons to, to Venus, um, and maybe even to other places to, to, to look there. Um, I know there was already a NASA mission that's going to be soon launching towards Europa. Um, and the other thing that's exciting is that the, the method used to discover phosphine, the spectroanalysis of, of the Venusian atmosphere, uh, there's actually a, a space telescope called the James Webb Space Telescope that's being launched uh, soon by NASA that will be able to do this atmospheric analysis of planets and other solar systems, which may mean that we're able to f have the same findings about planets light years away. Um, so I think it's quite possible that this may be, I guess, the starting gun for a, a rapid increase um, in, in discoveries about extraterrestrial life and its possibilities. Um, I, yeah, the possibility of extraterrestrial life, which is just exciting. I mean, that's just unequivocally good news, um, and, and I, I think that's sort of a, an so exciting thing. To put this into terms that I can understand, as well as some of our listeners might be able to understand better, um, we've sort of made a discovery that life can survive in more places than we thought it would, and this means that... Or it may you know, be able to. Now, it may be able to, yeah. And so we can now start looking in places we previously wouldn't have thought to look for for, for life. Yeah, if it's true that there is. I mean, we would have to discover it first, otherwise all I'd have said is kind of potentially bunk. But it's sort yeah. of like finding cow farts, uh, and then you have to assume the existence of cows. Um, I would probably give it, like, a 60-40 chance that there is life on Venus, which is exciting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and obviously we can't tell one way or the other, but just the idea that it's now the most likely place according to the data which we have collected uh, for life as Venus is, is in itself a kind of a breakthrough. Um, but yeah, so, so that's just, a, an exciting little... Yeah, it's very, it's definitely very interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think now we're gonna, we're coming up on the hour mark here, so I think we're gonna end the episode just with something not necessarily lighthearted, because it is very sad to see, but something that, you know, I, I definitely did not expect to see waking up and logging into Twitter.com this morning, which was, um, that video of Kanye West just, like, having put one of his Grammys in the toilet and him just pissing on it. I mean... Look, 2020 has been an insane year, obviously. Don't ever think I could have called this. No. Um, so this is all, you know, recently he's been in a sort of spat with Universal and Sony over owning his masters because he still doesn't. Oh, so like the Taylor um, Swift thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly the Taylor Swift thing. Okay. Um, and so he's been like, he tweeted out all 10 pages of his contract with them. Um, just huh. like out on Twitter. Nice. Um, he, you know, he was talking about how it's, like, record companies that steal the, you know, they charge all these bullshit fees to musicians um, and just make money off the backs of the musicians and don't really do anything. Which, um, if he's tweeting about that, I mean, just just wait till he figures out how the economic system that he made his billion dollars in works. Yeah. Because um, Kanye is now actually a billionaire. Yep. Nice. So, yeah, just, just, just wait till he finds out how the entire economic system works. Someone teased Kanye um, about surplus value. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's 
courtesy of you know friend of the pod um, at Dunkin Donut Cup on Twitter like or Dunkin Double sorry Dunkin Double Cup um, on Twitter friend of the pod um, yeah we need to make Kanye more class conscious I yeah. think this is you know what I know a couple weeks ago we were talking about uh, Isra Hersey who's Ilan Omar's daughter being the the leader of the vanguard yeah. I think if we can get Kanye on board we will have communism by 2050. Mm. Communism, not just socialism. No, full full communism by 2050. Worldwide abolition of the state, democratic society. Zero, no, no value form, just vibes. Holy, that is quite something. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Let's someone teach Kanye about uh, surplus value then. Make Kanye class. Make you know if if they were if the if the. The MAGA idiots were able to make him a uh, like a Trumper for a couple weeks. I think us uh, us Reds can maybe do a thing or two. Mm-hmm. Put that put that billion dollars to good use. Yeah, there that you means go. that means we're gonna have to eat Kanye now. Fuck. Oh shit. <sighs> I hate being principled. Yeah. I hate it. It'd be so much easier. I mean, look. I don't really care about Kanye all that much, but I think as I've articulated on this podcast before, um, I feel bad for him. I think that he has mental health issues, and it's more profitable for the people who manage him to let him play those out on the internet, um, and so they're never going to uh, uh, really, you know, try to get him help. It's the same thing that happens whenever someone's got an addiction or... Or whatever and, and yeah so I, I mean it, it's it's easier to write articles sniping at him all day than it is to you know tell people to be sympathetic right i as as you know it, sure i may have found a video of one of my favorite musicians pissing on one of his grammys funny i mean it's you know it's like um all the times he's endorsed trump right in the middle of a mental breakdown or when he announced that he was running for president yeah right all of this stuff that you know He's he's obviously going through a bipolar episode right now. Yeah. Yep. So, you know. It's sad. It is sad. You you really, like, you... It's... No matter your opinion on Kanye, you, you hate to see it. Oh, I know. Like, even... I just... Like, when he was... Uh, not... Uh, unstable. I didn't like him, right? Like, I... I'm still kind of always being upset at him for what he did to Taylor. Um, I just don't find him to be a particularly honest or, or trustworthy person. But I don't think that matters when you have someone who is, you know, and it's weird to say this about an actual literal billionaire, but to, to see someone as, like, actually exploited as Kanye West. Well, yeah, I mean, he got his start, right, as a, you know, one producer and one record label. Yeah. Right. He was just, you know, making making instrumentals, and he just got noticed off of it. Yeah. He got he got incredibly lucky. You know, mm-hmm. he's obviously very talented. But he got very lucky to be in a position where he was able to release his, you know, the first couple singles that he did. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I don't really know what to say about it beyond just, I guess, what it's free sad. Kanye. Yeah. Yeah. Free Kanye from his record deal. Give him his masters. Let him do what he wants. Uh, also, yeah, same thing with Taylor. Also, uh, free Britney Spears. 
yeah. who what they're doing to her is even more fucked up. Um, and I think that's it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's okay. All we're talking about today. So. All right. Well, in that case, um, this has been your Juno. Uh, again, you can find us on social media on Twitter at Juno Beach Pod. Um, you know, if you can rate the podcast, please do. Let us know what you think. If you can follow the plot podcast, please do. It's free. You can always change your mind. Um, if you think, yeah, if you think we suck, we're like two button presses away from never having to hear us again. Exactly. So um, that's that. Uh, I've been Malcolm. I've been Declan. And this has been your Juno. Have a fantastic rest of your day.